are listening to the Studio Interviews. I'm your host, Diana Brown, and as always with us, engineer Dan Wilson. Now, in this show, we will be talking with a lady with a habit that's hard to kick. And frankly, I don't think she'd want to. No, Studio Interviews has not gone all behind the music on you. We are talking to the star, one of the stars, but in our book, the star of a national tour that has multiple stage shows. This is a phenomenon. Um, it started out with Late Night Catechism and has many sequels. Join us in welcoming actor, performer, dancer, director, teacher, and gal about town, Kimberly Richards. Welcome. Thank you, Diana. It is delightful to have you here. <laughs> I'm delighted as well. <laughs> <laughs> now, you just got off the road, correct? I did. Okay, now for those... Any given week, I'm just off the road. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly off the trolley. Yes. No, I'm kidding, of course. Now, I have to ask you to hip everyone who uh, is not yet confirmed to the ways of late night catechism. <laughs> okay. Give a little uh, rundown on what this phenomenon is. Late night catechism started 14 years ago in Chicago. It is still running there. It's running in numerous cities around the country. Some have been going for one or two or five years, some eight, nine, ten years. It's currently running still in Seattle. Several productions in L.A. It ran in New York for about eight years. I think New Orleans ran about seven or eight years. Nice. I know it's in uh, Portland. It's been in, I've been in, I don't know how many cities, uh, anywhere from a couple of months to a couple of years. Oh, my. Yes. So and it ran here in San Francisco for a year. An entire year here. At the Mason Street Theaters, yes. All right. Now, is this running overseas as well? Is this? It has been overseas. I don't think it currently is now. But okay. Where did it run, if you recall? I know it was in, in London. I know it was in, in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mary Pat Donovan, who was uh, the head nun, the boss nun. <laughs> <laughs> the big lady nun. Yes, she took it to Ireland, and I think she said it was one of the toughest, toughest gigs she's ever had because they're all Catholic, they're all drunk, and they're mad at the nuns. <laughs> <laughs> They have quite a history they with those ladies. They have a little chip on their shoulder, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, they're going to take it out on sister. <laughs> now, yeah. yourself, you, uh, you're you a Catholic lifer in that you, you attended Catholic school all 12 years. I did. And I have an aunt who's a nun, yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. So you are... The cycle's really complete for me. <laughs> I would think. <laughs> okay, so I have to ask. Being a Catholic school child for all 12 years, is your sister based on anyone in particular? It's based on every nun I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> have you um, have you spoken to any of your previous teachers since you've been doing this? I actually have. One of the advantages of doing the show on the road, as I am now, is I get to go to a lot of these places. I did a show in Uncasville, Connecticut. And I kept thinking, Uncasville, that sounds familiar. So I call up my dad. I'm like, we know Uncasville, don't we? He said, hello, we lived in Norwich. Your grandma lived in Groton. And in between Norwich and Groton is Uncasville. You got to drive through it in the 30 minutes it takes to get there. (laughs) So I go back to Uncasville. And I was so excited. I got to see relatives I hadn't seen in years and years. And I went to the church where I made my first Holy Communion in Norwich, Connecticut. I went to St. Patrick's Cathedral. I can't tell you, I walked in the door and the tears just started streaming down my face. Just this sense memory of everything of walking the stations of the cross and making your first confession and your first communion and then the little school church uh, school, excuse me the school house is right next door oh my goodness little teeny crouched I mean, in then the shadow it seemed like this huge yes <laughs> yes and I was I have a picture standing there pointing to the window and I'm saying to my cousin I was in that room when they said Kennedy's been shot oh my word yeah wow. yeah so you went back in it's like Cold water running over you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what your little dress was like? I'm fascinated by all the rituals of Well, this actually, interestingly enough, in when I was in the first grade at St. Patrick's Cathedral, I wore dresses. I didn't wear a uniform because I was very small, and they didn't make uniforms small enough. 
I remember my first day of school in first grade, you all had to line up according to height. Well, I was the first one in line for school for three years. <laughs> Nobody was shorter <laughs> than I was. And my nun went around to all the other nuns and said, come and see my little one. Come and see my little one. So I got to wear dresses all year long. And then right before second grade started, my mother got a phone call from the principal that said, you have to have a custom-made uniform for her. She cannot wear dresses again. The other girls are jealous. <laughs> Kim Richards, small but mighty, and a, a fashion plate in the first grade. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, you are traveling all over. How many years have you been on tour again? Please reiterate that. Well, this is my 6.5 years in in the convent, as it were. <laughs> 6.5. <laughs> Iteration 6.5. In the convent. And I've been on the road for at least five of those. Now, has your sister changed since you began? Oh, I guess she's she's evolved in that my theology has become uh, even more in depth. I'm of a course. stickler on getting the theology right, and that the show is really a uh, first a tribute to the nuns, and then secondly to the Catholic Church. There is no Catholic bashing. Uh, it's very very respectful. Sister would never ever do anything that a sister would not do. Excellent. A lot of times people are nervous about coming to the show because they think that it's going to, you know, we're not nonsense. They're not a bunch of goofy nuns singing and <laughs> you know, wrapping their habit around their head. And it's not Sister Mary Ignatius who is, you know, a moment away from the loony bin. Just a hair's breadth. <laughs> yes. That close. Yes. No. No. Sister is very respectful. And I, I'm, I am a stickler on the theology because Sister has to be correct. When I first, I remember the very first time I saw the show here in San Francisco, I had just done an audition for it. I got a call back she said can you come and see the show they had a 5 30 and an 8 I was down the street doing an 8 o'clock show myself I said yeah I can make the 5 30 and I was sitting with my my best friend Louis Parnell <laughs> and he kept saying you're going to get this I know it and it's going to be awful because then you're going to be even more controlling <laughs> <laughs> so Louis, I'm only controlling when I'm directing and you need a controlling director okay <laughs> so he had seen the show back east so he knew what, what okay. it was all about so about oh five ten minutes into the show I leaned over to Louis and I said oh, I could so do this show. 45 minutes later, I leaned over and I said, there's no way I could ever do this show. This is the scariest thing I have ever seen. I'm like, how does she know all these answers? Because you really just have to answer whatever question comes up. And now the Q&A is my absolute favorite part. I could do the second half. We could just make it all Q&A. My. Okay, now I know that this takes place in a in a Catholic school classroom. Yes, the so setting is a very setting. Catholic, about a third grade Catholic school. I mean, when I first got the job, I had my niece and nephew in town with me one afternoon, and I said, oh, let's go by the theater. I want to show you the set for my new show. And they walked in and went, yeah, it looks like our classroom. <laughs> <laughs> now, what would you find on the wall of a third grade Catholic school classroom that you might not find in a in a non-denominational classroom? A lot of Mary. A lot of Mary. <laughs> a lot of Mary. Mary's of, the star of that show. Yeah, we're really all about Mary. Yeah. And then Even this more is than true. J.C. Oh, yes. Because yeah. he's just the son. Well, he's not just the son, but we're very big on Mary in the Catholic Church. And Sister says you'll find this is not true in some of your lesser spin-off religions. Spin-off? <laughs> you know, your little Lutherans, your Baptists, sure, they have Mary, but they only drag her out at Christmas when it's time to have the baby. It's know? true. And they it's, shove her in the closet till next year. In some ways, the Catholic Church is kind of more women's lib than any other. Oh, very much so, yes. All right, I, yeah. I digress there. <laughs> now, this is an interactive show, correct? Very much so. So, please elaborate a little on the very the much so. The premise is... That that you have come to class with sister, right? That you've been required for whatever reason. Do you have to? You maybe you're going to make your confirmation, or you're going to make a baptism. You're going to be a baptism sponsor, so you have to get in so many hours of catechism. Okay. The house lights are up. 
I talk to the audience. I see everything. You cannot hide. It doesn't matter where you're sitting. Sister sees every plunging neckline and every groping couple. You cannot get away. <laughs> they think they're sitting in the back and they're getting away with something. I see what's going on. <laughs> oh, oh, they who's those who sit in the back think they can bring the flags. That's right. Yeah, sneak yeah. in a little. They'll be flipping through their program. They'll be digging in their purse. We see it all. So, what if somebody's digging in their purse? What do you say to them? What are you looking for? What do you need? And what's what do you need? What's the craziest response you've ever gotten? To what is it you have? To My have all-time right now? favorite response, and this happened oh, several months ago in in Pittsburgh. It was an older woman woman who was sitting up in the back row, and she had this big old bag, and she's going through it. And I'm setting up a, a bit for a joke, so my eye immediately goes to whoever's moving. But I'm watching her, and I didn't want to go back and have to set up the joke again. So I get to the end of the bit, whatever that was, and I I just couldn't take it anymore. I said, "What are you digging around in that bag for?" And without skipping a beat, total deadpan, she looked up and went, stool softener? <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God, I don't make this up. <laughs> so the room, I'm sure, erupted in laughter. Oh, erupted in laughter. And I have four priests. I have four priests in the audience in collar. Oh, my goodness. So what did they do? <laughs> they were just dying. They were just covering their face and doing... <laughs> They're blessing themselves. They're blessing the room. And I finally, after the second wave of laughter died down, I just said, did you bring enough for everyone? Excellent. Which brought another <laughs> insane wave of laughter. But she was just so so matter of fact about it. Like oh. it was nothing. Stool softener. I guess when you need it, it is pretty matter of fact. <laughs> what is it? Do you have to have it right now? And she nodded. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. What is it like fast acting? <laughs> okay, now we're to another digression. Um I would think that after a while they kind of forget you're an actor. Have people ever beseeched you as though you're really a nun up there? Or? Oh, all the time. Okay. Absolutely all the time. Yeah, there was a review in uh, Boston, I think, uh, several years ago. And the first thing the critic said was he was amazed at how quickly the audience jumped into their role as members of this class and how they participated. And then he was even more amazed at how come second act during the Q&A that these people were actually asking serious theological queries of this actress who he said if you look in the program used to be a dancer in Las Vegas <laughs> <laughs> which does bring us to the fact that your dear sister has quite a past <laughs> yes. and you know there's there's one, every once in a while you get some smart aleck during the Q&A who wants to hold up the program and go yeah what about put it away <laughs> put it away yeah but what put it away <laughs> well i have to say kim i mean you are so perfect in this role it's hard to believe that you weren't conceived and brought forth fully grown and in the habit <laughs> but you do indeed have a, a, an amazing past you 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 tap dance with don rickles you work circus I did. circus I you, did, yes you were on the uh on the catskill type tour with comics is that correct well, bus and truck yeah Okay, so yes. the road is a familiar place to you. Yes, when I, in the 15 years that I danced before I ever started acting, uh, seven of those were on the road, mostly because as a short dancer in Las Vegas, if you refuse to go topless, you're getting in the truck and you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for the record, I think that would say Kim refused to go topless. I did, and I don't know why at the time when I was, because I moved to Las Vegas, had my first job there when I was 17. Oh my goodness. And most of all of my friends at some point worked topless shows. That was just what they did back then, and I just never wanted to. So I from just, Catholic high school... To working with topless dancers. What did your mother say? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I remember when I got the job, and, and technically I only went to Catholic school for 11 years because I was fortunate enough to be one of five that they allowed to graduate at the end of our junior year. So I graduated at Holy Names High School when I was 16 and was in Las Vegas when I was 17. I remember getting the phone call from a very dear friend of mine. She's still a good buddy. Uh, we had danced together up at Woodminster Amphitheater, and she called and said, we, we lost our dancer. Can you come to Las Vegas tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me ask my mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, it's Robin. Can I go to Las Vegas tomorrow? My folks, I'm the oldest of six. So everything that happened to me happened to them for the first time as well. Oh. So they were like, I don't know, Bob. What do you think? I don't know, Pat. What do you think? Well, it's what she wants to do. I guess so. All right. Okay, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> outrageous so you packed your little car I packed my little bag and actually I flew to Las Vegas okay. the next day I did I think it was three or four weeks at the Union Plaza who was then having its first birthday on Union Street which was Union Street not the Union Street experience and I remember we worked swing shift so we did six hours on starting at six in the evening in the Omaha lounge over the bar dancing <laughs> on top of the bar oh my <laughs> and you do six hours on so you do six 45 minute sets from six to midnight then you had six hours off we came back at six in the morning and we worked until noon and then we had 12 hours off and we came back at midnight and worked till six in the morning and that was our week we were the relief band oh I made 125 dollars and I was in heaven <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you do this before hitting the road well, I had to come back to the Bay Area okay. because I was involved with the Berkeley Mime Troupe. I was involved with uh, a, a dance company, and I was involved with an improv group. Okay. And I had several commitments lined up already. So I came back. It took about six months to fulfill all of the performances we had scheduled. And then I literally packed all my bags and trunks and threw it in the back of Robin's car. And then we, we moved down lock, stock, and barrel. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now before we hit the road with you and hear mm -hmm. more about that, let's, um, I want to pause and ask you a little bit about your improv background because a lot of our listeners and we also produce our own uh, improv stream. Mm -hmm. What was the name of your company and what was that experience like for you? Well, you know, I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, improv was. troops spring up like mushrooms after the rain. And well, it's hard well, to keep this track was, of them you're, all. We're going back, you know, more than a couple years ago here. <laughs> I was uh, 17. But at, you're still in the blush of youth now. Aren't I, though? Yes. <laughs> I know it was on a little storefront on Union Street. Right on. Yeah, and I don't remember the name of, of the company. I, Do you remember any of the folks you worked with back in the day? No, not until I started doing real serious improv after I went on dancing. And when I was about 30, my feet said, excuse me, we're done. Okay. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so less with the feet more with the mouth <laughs> right okay, now that sounds really bad but we are talking about acting and improv here <laughs> although uh, all the years that I was dancing I was always the actor that could talk which is how I got the job like dancing with Don Rickles and I got all the comedy bits and I got to do I loved doing burlesque because I got to work with all of the top bananas and I they they trained me in all now of their bits now explain to our listeners who I, I assume most people do, but for those who don't, and that's perfectly all right, what is a top banana? The top banana is the, the comedy star of the burlesque or vaudeville show. Okay. And vaudeville and burlesque is really the only uh, th indigenous theater to the United States. That's true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, although some say it came from Europe, but most of those theaters and those companies all started here. All right. So it's a little like the uh, London Music Hall tradition, but it's really... Right. It was all about the comedy it's first. The Mormonism of comedy, essentially. It's completely American. It is completely American. The Mormonism, Mormonism of comedy. I like that. And there was just as many women there as well. Ba -dum -bum. <laughs> right. 
insert rim shot here. So, so you're on the road, uh-huh. and you are on the road with these amazing uh, historical comics. You have got to have some great stories from that. Oh, yeah. Tell us one of your favorite times. Gosh. Um, if you can pick one. Well, I used to work with a comic that I worked with for a number of years. His name was Louis, uh, Louis Askell. I think his real name was Louis Ascoli, but he changed it to Louis Ascoli. And he really, really trained me in the art of burlesque. And he kept saying, I like you. You got a mug. You got a mug on you. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) And he would just, you know, he would train me in all of the bits. I was the one who was fine with blacking a tooth out and, you know, putting on a little rubber suit or whatever or just making yourself look goofy. And I remember the other girls in the dressing room saying, oh, my God. I can't believe why you're making yourself look so ugly. I said, I'm getting laughs. Thank you. you. Know? <laughs> I'm doing the bits. Because it was Gilda Radner who said, don't worry about looking good till the party afterwards. That's a beautiful <laughs> quote. Yes. yes. Now, you did dance with Don Rickles. Tell us how that came about. I mean, you were working on a show and you ended up in a shark suit. Uh, yes, I had auditioned for a TV special that was being filmed at Caesar's Palace. This is 1975 in Las Vegas. And I got hired as one of the dancers. Okay. And the choreographer was Hugh Lambert, who was Nancy Sinatra's husband. And I remember at the end of the first real rehearsal, when we got, you were actually officially had the job. And he said to this whole group of dancers, whoever wants to do any comedy bits, if you're interested, stay after rehearsal. And literally, I was ready to elbow my way through. (laughs) I was going to stomp on whoever's in my way. And amazingly enough, all of the dancers turned around and walked away. And I was standing alone going, "Uh, yeah, I'll I'll do it. What do you need? What do you need? And he said, go to wardrobe and suit up. And they made me a shark costume. Now, this was 75, so this was right after Jaws had come out. And literally, the only thing you could see was my little black patent leather tap shoes. <laughs> <laughs> now, describe this number, because Don Rickles is on stage Don Rickles singing. is on stage. And most people don't know that he was a song and dance man. That was his background. I he, did not he know He was that. quite the song and dance man. I love it. And my costume, like I said, was from the ankles up, and the mouth of the shark was where my face was behind a black screen. So I got to be there on the day of the taping when all the stars were there, when Larry Linville and uh, Loretta Swit and Otto Preminger and Jack Palance and uh, I don't think Arthur Godfrey was there, but he wasn't in that number. He was backstage with me. He was the only one that was concerned about me all day, (laughs) locked in this shark costume. (laughs) How many hours were you in this thing? Oh, most of the day. Most of the day. Because they had to tape all of the segments with all of the stars, and those took a while to do. So Arthur Godfrey kept coming up and saying, are you okay in there? Are you all right? And he would hand me little lifesavers through this little screen. So there's a, a black mesh screen in the mouth of the shark, which is where I can see out of. And Hugh Lambert came up to me and said, now you're going to do a tap dance with Don, but Don does not like to be choreographed. So just follow along. You'll be able to see a little bit out of the, the face, the mouth of the shark, and, and just... <laughs> He'll improvise and do whatever he does. And I said, okay, okay, no problem. So we go out for the first take, and I'm leaning forward. My little nose is rubbing up against the screen, and I'm, I'm looking down, and I s- memorize all the moves that he does. I run backstage. I'm in the corner of Caesar's Palace main room. This is huge. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I memorize the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for the second take. We go out, and I look down, and Don does something completely different. I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> So, so now he does something different, and I run back, and I memorize that one. And I come out again for our third take, and it's completely different. So I went up to him in my little shark costume, and I said, excuse me, Mr. Rickles, are you going to do something different every time? And he said, yeah, and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and what I love is the title of the song was... I'm a nice guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> and his company, and I didn't realize this until I got the paycheck, is Warmth Productions. No, that is still the Don Rickles nice. uh, production company is Warmth Productions, yeah. Oh. By the end of the day, my nose was completely raw. It was bloody red from d- tap dancing in this shark costume, rubbing my face up against the screen while tap dancing, trying to memorize and improvise with also, <laughs> even even more impressive, I, I've seen this video on YouTube, and there'll be a link off the site. But as she's dancing, that mouth of that shark is like flopping open and closed yes. as, as with every step. Right. So you're not only dancing through a mesh screen, getting rubbed raw, looking down at his feet. Your field of vision is closing every second. Yes, yes it much. is. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's like, welcome to showbiz. You've made it to the big time. Well, you know, when Dan first watched that, he pointed out that you were the last on stage. Basically, you were the featured player in that yes, one. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's so true. So you, you upstaged Otto Priminger on that one. Yes. Nice job. <laughs> Come back next week for part two of our interview with Kim Richards. This has been a Cassandra's Call production.